reaching out to make sure you're getting all the help you need, exclamation point, smiley face. Ain't technology cool? It is. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. My name is Joe Kowalski. I am your host today. Uh, we're going to do some talking about employees, SOPs, and some tactile advantages of using things like WordPress to house them and structures and naming conventions and all that stuff. But before we do that, housekeeping. Adam, what are we talking about today? Well, first, I just wanted to kind of welcome you back, Joe. Um, we did the the short podcast last week. Javi and I had a little bit of fun with that, but uh, good to have you back. Um, and we'll pit stop on there for a moment because I don't know, not a lot of people know because I kind of keep it quiet. I have some royalty in the industry. Um, I'm part of a lineage, as it were. I married into it, though. Steve Brandt, my father-in-law, he uh, he ran Hydromaster for decade and a half, 15 plus years, heavily involved in the industry. He passed away uh, like a week ago. And it was a sudden shock to my wife, his daughter, and um, and the family. Steve was a pretty big force in the carpet cleaning industry. Before him, Ed York, who got Steve in the carpet cleaning industry because he was the son-in-law to Ed York, and Ed got him involved, and uh, it kind of went on from there. And I curse Ed now for putting me in the carpet cleaning vertical. Service Titan did the same damn thing we did several years later. We have better tech, and they're a billion-dollar company. Why? Plumbers and electricians have bigger tickets. There's a pit stop business lesson for you guys. If you're just in the beginning of your business and you're like, I'm going to grow a business, highest ticket wins. Get that invoice as high as possible. Service those clients who don't give a crap how much you charge because you're getting the job done for them. Give them an amazing service. Your life will be much easier. Trust me. Anyway, rolling that back. So Ed got Steve involved. Uh, Ed got me involved as well on a family reunion. I want to start a business. I want to be software. I wanted to be kind of software as a service. And he's like, do carpet cleaning. Anyway, so um, so it was a big shock to the family. He went kind of suddenly. Hydromaster did a nice post about him, some pictures on a montage. He sold Hydromaster, his shares with uh, Palmer in 07, 08. Uh, so he's been out of the game, although he's always kind of kept an eye out. But yeah, my uh, lots of people have reached out to my wife and all that stuff. So, yep, that's that's another thing on my personal side that's like giving me this balance crisis right now. Right. <laughs> so, moving on. Yeah. Well, I mean. The- our thoughts definitely here, your service monster family with you and, and yours. So hope that, that Melissa's doing okay. Um, there wasn't really anything major uh, as far as, you know, releases or anything like that this week. So I think we'll just dive right into right into Smug. Um, first post that I noted here was from Kevin about the custom card fronts and really just about some things that were in five that weren't in six. So if you just want to kind of explain what you mentioned to him, um, kind of, we talked about the custom fronts a little bit on the FMS thing. Yeah, Adam, gonna, you're such a tease. I know. Yeah, talking about stuff we're not quite done with yet. Well, we're almost there. We're mostly, so close. Mostly just you could kind of explain the decision to not bring some of those features over from five was because of this. Well, and we're still going to have a rash, especially with custom fronts. Yep. Um, although I am trying to be a short version, right? Um you guys suck at editing. That's like the shortest version I can get. Not all of you. It's most. Yeah. <laughs> Care to Jay Kowalski at servicemonster.net. Um, margins, too much text, text too big, rolling over. Um, for a handful of reasons, we had five. It was still cumbersome. You had to download a Word document and make some edits and then upload it. And yes, there were plenty of people, 60, 70% who were just fine. But the 30% who weren't were causing major delays because the 
people downstairs would see it and it would go to print. And before they would print, they'd be like, this is garbage. And so I'd have to kick it out of the batch. And then, you know, you have to go back to support and they'd have to reach out to the client and say, try again. So it made it really difficult. Um, And I don't think it was in there the best way it could be to really hone in on the usability, right? We can force certain things and not give you freedom, but yet make it easy to have a custom experience. So we're coming out with custom fronts very shortly. The technology's all done. It's not gone through testing internally yet. Um, We're gonna start using them next week, is my understanding on the cards that we send out to our new clients. So what's interesting is we have a fake service monster account. (laughs) And then when new clients come in, we have a little piece of technology that automatically transfers it in. So it's almost like its own little CRM. And then it uses fill my schedule to generate. It all does this completely automated. They just show up downstairs. Right. And I've always been leery of having like a super flashy front because in custom and branded because people were like, well, I want to do what you guys did. Uh, well, you can't, <laughs> but now you can. And so we're going to design a new hot th- front. Thank you. Oh, nice. And we're going to be the first consumers of this uh, custom front concept. Make sure that it works on the printer and everything goes well. And then we'll do another pass, making sure all of the editing features, because right now I think, internal staff set up fill my schedule and they use old CRM which is a riot <laughs> I think it's one of the last things that we use it for yep. that and uh, subscription yep. management um, other than that everything else is a new CRM so um, they, they go in there when they don't really need to there's a administration page within six And that gives you the ability to do editing and setup. And right now it's only available to support, but we want to clean that up, make it so the whole process is there, and then expose that to end users. So that's the idea. That's the long game. The short game is custom fronts, baby, because if it works for us, then we can upload it for you so we can start getting to work. And if you need custom fronts, contact Ryan Kittering. We'll put a link on the show notes. Yeah. It's coming, Ryan. I told you. Nice. Um, So, yeah. So, after that, then we'll, at some point, give you the ability to edit directly in 6. And then you won't have to mess with it. And if we do it right, you know, the box will stay stop. Because at the point font that we're going to give you, this is as many characters as you can fit in. Right. You're done. Too bad. That's it. Sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. You do. Uh, now we're going to have the problem, though, with custom fronts. Somebody's going to take an image off of their website at 72 DPI and take it into Paint and throw, or, you know, uh, MS Paint and copy and paste another 72 DPI trash logo on it and send that to us and call it good and wonder why their card looks like shit. And if you didn't understand anything I just said, don't do your own designs. 72 DPI, 300 DPI. Printers say 150, I say 300 minimum. Uh, And you'll get all that from Ryan, right? If you try to do it yourself, you're going to get pixelated. It's going to be grainy. Um, Even if you send us high res stuff, unless you're doing it in Photoshop and you understand bleed and cuts and margins, I wouldn't do it. We have a template. If you're a marketing ninja and you can actually design a kick-ass postcard and you know what bleed and cut and margin and DPI is, uh, we have a template we can send you and you can do it. Um, we've sent Ryan the template already. So I'm excited to release it. I'm also kind of nervous about what we're going to get back. Right. And I know Mark's just going to reject it. He's just going to be like, not in my house, bang. <laughs> He's going to get that shit right off his He's like, I'm not going to print that garbage. <laughs> and I don't blame him. Like, that's what he's there for. So... It's going to be interesting. But, yes, custom fronts are almost here. Yes. Well, that went a lot longer than I expected. So that was – Don't, isn't it always? Yeah. It's a podcast, brother. (laughs) I get to monologue. Go deep. I also, uh, just from the the replies in there, you also mentioned 
Syngym because they always kind of ask about postcard alternatives and things like that. Deeper so. integration of Syngym is something that we've got on our short-term right, radar, right? Yep. And what I'd like to do is put a Syngym and a fill my schedule option in the drip campaigns. How badass is that? Then you could just set up fill my schedule using drip, either using Syngym sequences or service monster stuff. So if you want to go with a cheap, low-cost postcard, cool. Right, you could do it pretty easy. We're going to lose business out of it, I'm sure. Uh, but it's not about us; it's about them. Yep. Making sure that you guys get what you need in order to run your business. You know, send cheap ass postcards. That's on you. <laughs> That's a Jake Kowalski. I'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the, the no no wait, wait wait Josh Latimer doesn't sell cheap ass postcards. He also sells. Brownies and cards and all kinds of other stuff. There's flowers in there too, I think. I think so, yeah. 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 In addition to the cheap ass postcards. And they're not cheap. They're not inexpensive for a postcard, but they're not, you know, they're better quality than what I want to ship, which is why we don't do them. Right. He has a third party. So, and so they're good. They're good. That's right. That's how I want to say that. But that other stuff is choice. Like a brownie? Come on. Oh, yeah. Come on. The post-job thank you stuff that they have is Seriously. fantastic. Sick. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the next two posts are both kind of talking about job reminders. And the reason I included them both is they kind of have some different things that they're talking about. Um, but we've gotten a lot of hits on this, I feel like, since we mentioned it on the first or second podcast. Yeah, it and seems like there's some people who don't know about job reminders yeah. and how they work. So we're going to do for the first one, uh, Teresa wrote in just kind of asking how to do it. And you, you replied to her and we'll just link the video on here. You really just kind of want to get out that you can send these automated reminders. You can even do them manually if you, you prefer to have a little bit more control over it. It's really easy to set up. I mean, it takes five minutes if that, as long as you have a template ready to go, boom. So, so the concept here is, and there's two ways to do it. Uh, the first way is through the quick ad, right? Yep. If you don't have anything set up at all, you can, in the quick ad, say, for this job, I want to set up a reminder and I want to set up a, a what do we do? You do the confirmation, confirmation and, do and the a reminder. Yep. Right. They're two different things, the way we look at them. Um, the reminder is the, I'm coming right this second or like in two hours or like this morning. So the reminder, it, it has to have the reminder itself set up. You just say, is it 24 hours, 48 hours, 12 hours? You know, and the confirmation is? The confirmation is just you letting them know, hey, I got you scheduled. Right. This is the time frame that we discussed on the phone. Please make sure you're going to be at your house and that this is going to work out. Yeah. So the idea here would be you're on the phone, you schedule the job, you set up the confirmation, you set up the reminder, you close the thing. And let's just say the uh, confirmation goes right away. And it's an email that just says, thank you for scheduling with us. Here's your date and time. Here's the things you can be ready for. Maybe send them some instructions or some videos to your website. This is your first opportunity to say, we got you. And oh, by the way, here's some info for you. You need. So then two days goes by, then their appointments tomorrow and you send them maybe even via text or email a reminder. Hey, just a reminder. We're going to be at your house tomorrow. Some people hate this because it makes people cancel. And some people love it because it keeps people from canceling. Yep. <laughs> and it just really depends on what your demographic looks like and what's their behavior and all that kind of stuff. So that's it. That's super easy. And you can do that, set that up from the quick ad. You can also, though, automate the whole damn thing, right? Yep. Set it up ahead of time so you can say my confirmations go X amount of time and my reminders go Y amount of time and my confirmations are t- text or email and vice versa or same thing via the reminder. And then every job you schedule falls into that category, right? Um, there is a way to break it up, though, isn't it? What do you mean by break it up? Like as I'm far- putting you on the spot here from training guy. Sure. And this is a feature that this is where we start to get in features that Joe doesn't know 100% about, which is a very interesting place for me. <laughs> like there's whole areas of the app starting to emerge now that I have like don't know anything about. Right. Um, and that's all user driven. So that's amazing to me. But in this case, I think when you're setting up jobs, 
are starting setting up uh, automated reminders, you have some sort of a categorization or group or something you can trigger off of. Do you remember what that is? So the way that they're set up is you have the option initially, like you already mentioned with the email versus text, everything else is just centered around before or after the job, or you can set it to a job time rather than a set like time frame. but there isn't necessarily a group outside of residential versus versus commercial. I thought I saw something here. And six on a touch screen is a dream. Uh, what am I looking at? Job reminders. That's interesting. Okay. Was there something else that like you wanted to have included with it and just maybe never got? No, I I actually thought I saw something. I was quite in to all customers, residential or commercial. Yep. Yeah, that's the twist. Okay, so you can set up notification and job settings that are different for residential or commercial clients. And I would definitely recommend if you're doing text, residential only. You don't really want to be sending text messages to your That's right. That's really powerful. Yeah. Right? Being able to set all that up ahead of time. Um, Questions that are commonly asked, this information is available where? On the job screen? Like if I go to the job screen, I'll see... So if you want to see the reminders that are pending, it'll be on the job screen. There's a little notifications tab. And that actually leads into the next question too, which is perfect. Um, Where can I find them if they've been sent or not? Yeah. So that that notification screen will show what if they're pending, if they've been canceled, um, if they've been sent, what time they got sent. It's literally going to list all of them. And you can refresh them, delete them at any time. Can you delete them after they've been sent? No. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. I would hope that that's the use case. Yeah. yeah. No. So open the job, go to that notification setting, and you can see what the status is. And uh, when it's sent, you'll know. Yep. We'll love the videos. We'll link those on this. It's a good more of that visual rather yep. than just listening to us. Awesome. Very cool. And so the follow-up to that is Corey was also talking about it for text, and he was mentioning sending a text to multiple phone numbers rather than just the one. Mm-hmm. And then it got brought up in the discussion about it because a bunch of people followed the uh, the requests, I guess, sort of see what you would say right. and talked about the site contacts. And I just think it'd be interesting to discuss that just for a second because we mentioned this actually yesterday in the product meeting, doing the site contacts and sort of taking that into account when you look at the phone numbers. Not necessarily for this feature. But okay, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, that's just... I don't want to talk about the new schedule feature. That's yet. fine. Yep, that's fine. Shh. Sorry, sorry. Okay, that was awkward. <laughs> um. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So, multiple emails, multiple texts to the account um, through automation. I haven't really put a huge amount of thought into it yet. I think I would have to talk to David and we would have to change the relationship a little bit and allow you then to basically manage all contact information from one place. And it gets into a whole can of worms Yep, really fast. Um, So if we do it, it's going to be a bigger feature change than just for this screen. It would be a whole, how do you manage contacts in general. And interestingly enough, what was it, 12 years ago, I designed the Dane database so that you have multiple contacts per account, not just through the site. And so um, we want to expose that kind of stuff too, but managing resources, right? Yep. Um, this is the first question that I've heard about. I want to set it up for an account, one account to get multiple notifications on multiple streams of contact methods, multiple email addresses, multiple texts via texting phone numbers. So yeah, I think we'll definitely eventually let it happen. I don't think it's very high on the priority list. This is the power of smug. If you're hearing the podcast and you vehemently disagree with me, put a smug post on there and see if you can rally the troops to prove me wrong. I love it. (laughs) 
Great stuff there. Sorry for the little hush hush. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> totally joking. <laughs> so another post that came up that I thought was interesting um, because we just had a blog post about this was, is there a way to blacklist a customer in five? And so I guess I really just kind of wanted to make note of the account memo using the alert system. Yeah. And if you just kind of want to touch really, really quickly on that blog post and, you know, that you will have this come up, that you have to kind of fire a customer. So Yeah, that's true. Michael did an incredible job. Um, he befriended a pressure washer who had a experience like, I mean, everybody's got to fire customers once in a while. We have to do it a couple times a year. I call it chopping the baby in half because I take all the data away. I shut down all logins until I can talk to both parties and be like, what the hell is going on? And there's never been a time when that initial phone call hasn't resulted in me knowing exactly what the hell is going on. One of them's always lying and one of them is always telling the truth. And uh, it's amazing how predictable that is. Anyway, um, yeah, so you fire a customer. This one was kind of over the top, though. They had a whole story about it, and they wrote it up on a blog post. So I would encourage you to go to our blog site and read that because it was uh, from their own words. So little jujitsu from Michael and getting somebody to write a blog post for us. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But it's good material. It's great content. Um, so in Service Monster, yeah, it's pretty easy. In five and six, we have this kind of this header section of the account, and it kind of and it carries itself much better around in six than it does in five. Oh yeah, but it, it does it in five too. It's kind of like oh yeah, it needs to be visible here as opposed to it's really built in in six. But you use a combination of the alert field, the memo field, and the alert field will say whoop whoop. I, I, there's an issue, pay attention, and the memo field will identify what the attention is. Sometimes yep. it'll be a VIP client. Sometimes it'll be fire this client. Yep. If you want to fire the client so they really don't come up, although you want to keep all the history and everything they do, deactivate them. They'll no longer show up in basic searches. You'll have to physically go to all accounts in order to find deactivated clients. And so um, that's the way you can kind of keep them off the list. It's actually really important there, too, that he noted deactivate. If you delete them, hmm. then they'll call back in. And you if won't you're not, you won't know. Exactly. And you lose the history anyways. Yep. I mean, even if they were a jerk, if they gave you some money, that's history that you need to keep around because you got paid. Yep. Deleting an account should be a pretty rare thing that has to happen for cleanup or whatever reasons. Deactivate should always be kind of the first. And I love the delete roadblocks we put in for yep. six for orders and accounts. We almost never get, oh, no, oh, no, I deleted the wrong order, which we used to get for five. And I, we probably still do because there's still enough five users. And that uh, David would have to go to a rollback and, you know, oh, it takes forever to pluck one order out and then put it in the other yep. database. It's actually a fun, Surgery, man. fun story about that. One of my very first um, support calls that I was doing on my own was about that. And I had to learn how to, how to get that to David. And it was just, yeah. That's the only time I've seen it come up, though. Oh, so. good. Yeah. On six, it should be. Okay. So I think at this point, we can probably just dive into the uh, the main, I guess it's not really a feature focus, but the main focus, the deep dive right. this week. And thanks, as always, to our smug users for their collaboration. Um, but I thought we'd discuss something that we're actually revamping right now internally. And I think it's one of those things that gets overlooked a lot, and that's SOP creation. So just, Joe, let's just kind of start by defining what do we mean when we say SOP? This is going to get fun. Um, <laughs> so SOP is standard operating procedure. It's a document that spells out how to do a task or function within an organization so it can be handed to an employee, a trainee, or a potential employee, and they can pretty much perform the task. Okay. So this ties really hard into my background and part of the reason why Service Monster is so successful. And it's not the SOPs directly because we have a culture of process, right? Yep. So there's a difference necessarily between forcing process via SOP and building a culture of process that leans on SOPs, which is kind of what we are. Yep. All right, SOPs aren't perfect. 
They're not complete. They're always in a state of flux. And I have a secret weapon uh, that I'll give some of the larger organizations to ensure quality of work, regardless if you're there or not, to ensure the brand integrity of the company at every level. I'll give you that as part of this conversation. So larger conversations, keep your ear out for that secret weapon. Very nice. Yeah, we call him Jamie. <laughs> but I'll, I'll break that down, what that means and how you grow yep. uh, that particular function. So, um, oh, where do I want to start? My first look into kind of procedures was my first love was music. Actually, baseball is my first love. But Music. I also have a very hard, hard love for music. I gave up baseball for music and I studied how to be an audio engineer. And I went to Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences and, you know, spent uh, eight months there. And it was a tech school and it was really kind of a joke where they were milking the kids for money. But you could take advantage of it and learn a shitload of stuff. And when you are in a studio with a, you know, 128 channel Neve console, you got to understand process, right? They call it an engineer. I would say it's the lowest level of engineer, an audio engineer. Because you don't have to understand mechanical engineering. You don't have to understand chemistry. You don't have to understand computer science. Uh, but they call you, an, you know, an audio engineer because you plug in input and outputs. Yep. And it gets complex. And then you have to use your ear for what sounds good. So it's more of an art form uh, than a science. But you have to really know how to dial that board in order to get the art out of it, right? Um, and so that's where, I, that's where my head came from. And then I went from there into a factory. So when I had to get a real job because my wife was pregnant and we were newly married, I had to go get a real job. So I got a minimum wage job in a factory. Factories are driven by processes. SOPs and yeah. processes. Yeah, and this one was a Boeing subsidiary. So Boeing making airplanes. When you make airplanes, you have to operate under GMP, good manufacturing practices. It's federal law to say you must define your processes and those processes must be kept up to date. And then you must be able to trace all kinds of stuff like source material and all the way back to the ground, right? So it's all centered around process. And then I left that to go work at a chemistry shop for biomedical polymer chemistry and that was both gmp and iso which iso is gmp for international and i helped write those sops for that company when i first got started so i've, I've been steeped in process everything has been engineering and process and putting small things together to build massively complex big things right and then how do you how do you get people within an organization to do the things and see the things that they need and focus on the things that they need to focus in order to keep the engine running, right? So that's where process and SOPs really come in. For the average service provider, it makes higher, slow, fire, fast feasible. Because if the number one reason why you keep people around is because you don't want to replace them. You don't want to go through the hassle. The interview process sucks. They hardly ever show up. It's hard to get a hold of them on the phone. They don't call you back. When someone does show up, you're lucky if they don't smell like pot and, it, and they were on time. If you find someone who actually cares and you want to hire and then you get them around for a while and it turns out to be they're not so great, but they're good enough. I'm sorry. You're not going to build an awesome business on good enough. So you got to keep people around who are going to be great, who care, like want to push the ball in the right direction. And then you can debate like hours worked and all that kind of stuff, right? Does it, is that a demonstration of their caring? But if they have an SOP to follow to do this that stuff, you can really kind of go hands off. You can train them, show them where the SOPs are, show them you know, how to get access to them when they need them. And then they can really, you teach them once and then it should be SOPs. And this is perfect for millennials because you don't hire skill set anymore, guys. Stop looking for people who can clean and start looking for people who can adapt. Now, what's going to be interesting is after six or eight months, it's going to be hard to keep those guys clean in floors. You got to keep them interested. That's a whole other conversation about building culture and, yep. and uh, you know, utilizing talent and all that kind of stuff. But 
it, it allows you the freedom to let somebody go and know that somebody else is going to come in fairly quickly and do what they did and it's going to be okay because you have those procedures in place. Good story. I was in the Boeing subsidiary. I had progressed to warehouse manager, three shifts. I come in one morning. The night shift had cut these titanium bars to the wrong size. And by wrong size, they cut them to the spec. The spec was wrong. It went to the machine, and the it was they were too short to put into the CNC machine. And so they were freaking out, and they wanted to, you know, there were specs on the it would have been possible for the cutter to get the right size, but there was nothing in an SOP that mandated that the cutter go double check that number. And so they wanted to fire the entire third shift. It was like $70,000 worth of material, quote, down the drain. Well, first of all, you know, and here I was a lowly sub manager, right? And these guys were executives. And I was just like, you know what? Screw you guys. This is your fault, not theirs. There's an SOP. They did the SOP. You have an issue? Fix the SOP. You want to mandate us to check it? We'll do it. No problem. But don't hang somebody for something you think they should have done when the documentation doesn't specify to do it. And two of the non-CEOs kind of went red in the face and one dude started talking and the CEO was like, you know what? Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. You can go. And I know that they were really pissed at me for stating that, but the CEO knew I was right. And so they fixed it. The guy stayed. One of the two who was kind of an ass apologized. And I was just like, that was a very important lesson, right? I can't blame you if I haven't documented it. I can blame you if the shit's written down, though, and you didn't do it right. Yep. And if it's not if it's not written down the way you do it, let's have a conversation. Why is it different? Did you provide something better? Be open to change. Make them do it right the, the right way or the SOP right way. Then have them come back to you and say, you know, it's a lot faster if I do it like this. You're like, so, you know, I've been doing this for five years, and that's you're totally right. Let's change the SOP. And that's how you adapt and grow by consensus and really, you know, move forward. So having those SOPs available for people is a big deal if you want to grow and you want to build a culture around your company. You want to bring in amazing people. And you want to protect brand integrity and quality without tearing your hair out. That's exactly it. I mean, these guys, all of your technicians, they're the face of your company. They're the ones interacting with, with your customers. If you don't have something in place when you're hiring them to train them properly, to you know, hold them accountable, to make sure that they're doing what you want from a customer service level and so on, then it's just going to lead to all those other problems down the road. But Adam, it's nice. I hear SOP. What the hell do you actually mean? What what do I have to create word documents? And like do I have binders that I hand people? Do I have to write like till all hours to the night? What are you talking about? I mean, if you want to go old school with binders and you want to have those folders by all means, but uh what we you have You put those on the truck, by yeah, the way. Exactly. Um what we use um is WordPress and they actually just did a whole new I don't know exactly what the different plugin or whatever they're using. Yeah, they did a couple different plugins centered yeah. around uh, this kind of stuff, document, storage, and retrieval and, really uh, and help system. Yep. It's really about is it easy to find? Like can I find – if I'm on the phone with someone and I need to look this up right there, see the procedures, step-by-step step, um, going through that flow in, in you know a matter of seconds. And that's really what the design that Jamie and Amy have been working on um, from – from that standpoint is making it so that you and your, you know, employees can find that quickly. Cause what's the point of having it if it's buried, right? Oh, if, mostly me. So the, <laughs> the, the barometer of sec success is nuclear explosion. Everybody dies, but me, can I still keep the company afloat? And the answer should be just go to the SOP repository. I want to figure out payroll. I should be able to go to an SOP and figure out how to run payroll. If I need to answer someone's question about data import, I should be able to go to the SOP library and pull up the tree that gives me what I need. Yep. Um, 
So that's really what's important there. And it's, again, it's to allow uh, managers that freedom to, if something happens and they lose an employee and they were providing a key and critical function, man, we've all had that happen and it sucks because it's like, where does it go? Who's going to take it? I don't know how to do it. I've never done it before. And there's this fog of war that needs to be re-cleared again because they had this arcane knowledge that only they did. And even if you had a backup, they only know how to half-ass it, right? They don't take the same care the the author of the process uh, deals with. So That's really where that whole cross-training aspect comes where you can – start to utilize that and be like, hey, you want to kind of dip your toes into this? I'm going to be on vacation. Like, let's kind of see how you handle this process. And don't don't always rely on one person to handle this one particular aspect because, like you said, life is life is complicated and things happen. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like babies show up out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Father-in-laws suddenly pass. Yep. I mean – my house is still tore up from the remodel before pneumonia. I just, it's, life happens. Yes. I had a blog post about that yesterday. Like entrepreneurs and business people, we like to run the afterburners, 100, 110% at full tilt. And people go, oh, and they wonder how we got so many plates spinning and it's all cool. And then some major real stuff happens and tests your resolve. Get a little snippy. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Yes. <laughs> so I want to, before we circle back around to that secret weapon that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I want to ask you, um, I guess, succinctly, kind of how much detail needs you put into this? And then also explain kind of when you were first writing this, um, when you and Eric were, were first kind of building your own at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, that whole kind of, Sometimes you just have to screw up a couple of times to get it right. Yeah. That's a big thing that you've – I've listened to you talk about that for video, totally. editing, your creation. Just start with it. It's going to take a few iterations before it's, it's everything. Right. Anything yeah. you want to learn. It's life. Yeah. I failed horribly in high school. You would not call me a smart man in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but I think people would be, you know – Apt to consider me fairly intelligent now. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, uh, but how did I pick up all those skills? And it's just long game stuff. I think that's just part of the function of my dyslexia, right? And so, uh, and build that in the fabric of the company, too. I love it. Like, and just fail and fail. It's like the three for three versus six out of 10, mm-hmm. right? Three for three is 100%. That's all safe. Six for 10, I have twice as many wins, baby. Don't look at my losses. I don't care about my L's. I'll own them, but I'll move on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so SOPs in the early days, um, we tried a handful of things, easy search naming conventions taken from the geek days. And the geeks knew how to find stuff, but nobody else did. So don't don't overcomplicate things. Make sure your search optimization for your articles and, you know, each article is going to be an SOP. Uh, that that's good. And again, just don't even mess around. Just get the WordPress stuff. Cause didn't we do it for free? Yeah. Like put the whole damn thing together for free. Yeah. We should put a blog post together on how to do that. Sure. Yeah. Do that in your note thingy. <laughs> I'll just to push this button here. That's and, right. <laughs> um, send it to Michael. Um, yeah, no, that, that'll be a good blog post. Watch for that. Uh, so using WordPress to set up your, um, SOPs, making sure you've got good search. Uh, the, the Everything else that I've learned as we've made mistakes was solved by our secret weapon because they get stale yep. when you don't pay attention to them. And when you start relying on them more than, um, than the actual work and you don't have checkups and you don't you know have audits and you don't look at things, you just think things are running because the SOPs are doing the job, you're in for a nasty surprise one day because it doesn't work that way. Um, and so you'll have to regroup and be like, why aren't we following SOPs? Like, I don't know. People here have just been here for eight years. And so most of them know how to do stuff. Um, but then when we make a change or we want something else done or when a system makes a change and forces a change and uh, executives go, well, there was a whole reason and we lost the reason. That's the other thing, too, is I hope SOPs help define the reason. Um, we can And we can be specific, too. It's like technicians need SOPs, like how to clean upholstery, how to get that red wine out of, you know, 
you can develop a whole series of chops around each one of the tasks that you perform in the home. Um, how do you clean the windows? Like I showed you on day one, like, yep. you know, you can keep them pretty, pretty, um, you don't have to go into super detail. It's like, you know, you need videos and although that makes things easy, right? You can take a video one day, have the, have the first person you're training watch you via video while he's recording you. And then you have a video and then put that on. Just make sure it's searchable. Like there's a lot of different ways to do it. So yeah, they can just watch. Oh yeah, that's how he showed me. That's the motion I need to make in order to work my way down the window, right? So um, there's a there's a lot of different ways you can set those up. But be as detailed as you need to be in order for them not to have to bug you and perform the task correctly. Yep. But don't be one ounce more detailed than that. <laughs> and you'll know it. You'd be like, hey, Bobby, a little kid comes up, 10 years old, and give him that sheet of paper and the squeegee and see what he does. Right? He's got to be 16 if you hook him up to the uh, hot water extractor and the truck mount. But then see what he does. Yep. See what he does. Does he work directly off the SOP? There's a joke for GMP and ISO uh, that you, a monkey needs to be able to do it. Like, it doesn't matter what education level. And this is kind of what got me to tick in and how I ended up in research and development lab as a biomedical polymer chemist. So I'm like, a monkey can do it. Well, I'm a monkey. <laughs> I can go into the manufacturing lab and do the SOPs and get paid 50 grand a year. I could read an SOP for 50 grand a year. I don't need a bachelor's degree for that. Hell, they don't even have to pay me. They can pay me 45, right? And so uh, that's kind of how I, we- I weaseled my way into the manufacturing floor because there was SO. Now you lose all the SOPs in R&D, but I don't care. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of smart, so. So that was fun. But yes, SOPs uh, all the way really help things stay consistent. Um, And, you know, people have heard about it all the time. But I mean, really taking the time to stop and think about how it can benefit you and the mistakes that you've made and how hard it is to train people and get new people and replace people and arcane knowledge and all that kind of stuff. Now, if it sounds like a lot of work, that's because it is. It's a lot of work to write all this stuff down. It's a lot of work to keep it all up to date. And it's a lot of work to keep it um, either mod- modern, right, or even paid attention to. Yep. So enter the secret weapon. Again, small businesses can't do this. This is going to have to be on the owner or, you know, uh, office manager to keep it all straight. But... We had one support agent who's been with us. Man, Jamie's been with us like nine years, maybe even 10. Super long time. Um, And he was great at support, but he's even better at following a checklist. Oh, yeah. That dude will kill a checklist. And if you expect him to go out of that checklist, you've given him the wrong job because he will not go outside of that checklist. I love that about Jamie. It's predictable. So I started assigning him audits. Once a month, he would take a random sampling of support tickets and pull the voice and listen. Listen to the phone conversation, review the notes, and make sure the SOP was followed. If it wasn't, there were points deducted, and, and then agents get report cards, and those report cards are published to everyone in the company. This was unbelievable for creating customer service consistency. And I think anybody who's actually experienced our customer uh, support knows that we are top-notch. At scale, there's no one better. Now, obviously, if you're the the outlier, you got pissed off at us one day and, you know, an agent hung up on you because you were an asshat, like, okay, you're going to be the out. There's very few that you don't hear those kinds of stories. Um, just the other day, I mean, I got a private message from one of our customers is like, I literally love Pinky. That was it. That was the whole message. <laughs> so <laughs> we get a lot of props from all of our customer support people. Yeah. is because we hire great people, but it's also because we've built a system that allows them the freedom to know that they can help a client. They just got to go find the process. Yep. Um, so Jamie having this 
audit, what it does is it kept them on their toes. They knew that there was somebody watching. And so every ticket, whether it was going to be audited or not, was this could be audited. And so those tickets became seriously consistent. And if there was friction, hey, Jamie, the SOP doesn't help me. I have a different process. Things have changed. Fine, let's update the SOP. Let's get it approved by a manager and let's move on. And now we have a new SOP and a new version of that and you can continue on the way. So um, the auditing was powerful, but it was really kind of part-time. And again, SOPs got stale. Some were followed. Some were just there to as a safety net for the manager if they needed to do the job because people have been around for so long. But then when we had enough support horsepower, I extracted Jamie and put him on auditing full-time. And now his job is SOP management and SOP auditing. And sometimes that means meta auditing, like we're auditing the audit. Yep. Um, and it's incredible. And like we're just we're just started actually the function of we've always done the same auditing. Now he's doing some new audits. Um, there was a client that, you know, we had a not a great start with and had Jamie do an audit, went through the whole history to figure out like what could we have done better? What responsibility did the client have? Um and he was able to give us just that naked, raw audit of the activity. Because yep. we have all of that stuff, right? We all that data. So, uh, yeah, that's the secret weapon. So, you know, if you have the means, I would say probably 20 employees. If you're past 20 employees, you start looking at somebody who's that list, uh, list checker in the office and maybe start handing them some small bits that they do once, you know, one or two days out of every month. Um, and then you kind of got to get a feel for it and you get it going and you get started and you start building a culture around it. Right. So I, you know, I think it would be wise to do from a technician point of view because you want to get off the truck as quickly as possible. And I think it's helpful for business owners, even single owner operators to think about the process of their business because not enough people do that. Like that's my default nature, so I take it for granted. Right. But a lot of these guys aren't sitting and whiteboarding their business. They don't know how money flows through, really. They don't really fully, you know, understand how you put together a marketing campaign to automate it in such a way where it really is an effective process. And we're we're trying to help teach them and build automated systems and build automated content that will just make it really easy and there's a lot of our clients that are really good at it but uh you know if your job is cleaning and you're really good at that and you want to build a business around that then uh, all the rest of the stuff gets hard sometimes yep and sitting down and forcing yourself to kind of think about the in chunks you know atomize it break it down into the smallest components and document those in bullet point lists step one step two step three and then uh then that makes it consumable. And there's also a book I would suggest here, E-Myth Revisited, that talks about the process of taking something and maybe building it a franchise model out of it. And it's not specifically saying you should go build a franchise model, but what it's saying is if you build a small business with the franchise in mind, your process, your book, and how you approach things and how you protect your brand will be done very, very well. It's going to maximize your profit. It's going to maximize your repeat rate. It's going to maximize your ticket. That's just it. And then give you the ability to walk off the truck into the office and eventually out of the office and onto the beach or onto another business or whatever you want to do. Yep. Yeah. You have anything else you want to throw down in there, Adam? The only thing that I would add in there, and it's easy for me to say this because, you know, I'm training oftentimes office staff on this um, but especially as you start to grow and you have certain processes set up in your CRM whether that's a service sponsor service sponsor which we hope or if it's somewhere else like make sure that you also have those processes built for that because sometimes if you're only focused on just you know you're on the truck they say do the job and that's it but you're messing up all of your data then how are you going to yeah. utilize that data to then help yourself in the future, right? So um, I'd help one of our 
one of our users a couple months ago, she was actually literally writing SOPs for her whole office staff. I helped her with the whole process. So um, maybe we should write some SO, generic SOPs. That's put not a them in the marketplace. Yeah. Document repository, one click upload for free. I nominate Joe to do this task, but uh, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll have it done in three days. Um, yeah, it's actually a really good idea, though. I have a handful. You you do. <laughs> I'm still waiting on so many. You guys have no idea. We haven't even gotten any of the fun stuff yet. <laughs> and really, I think uh, at this point, you know. It, SOPs are not the the flashy side, right? It's they suck. Yeah, it's not the fun part of owning a business, running a business. But like you said, that process mindset, kind of splitting things up, and really driving home how this is going to look, whether it's me or someone else, so that you have that core functionality kind of built just into, like you said, your culture. Yeah. So, I mean, when they understand that, you know, using X times two amount of product on the job affects the job cost because it's built into the SOP. Then they have a vested interest now not to waste material. Yep. That's an instant bottom line profit win. Just those add up fast. So do your SOPs, guys. Even if you're single owner operator. It's not a business plan. Those are crap. I hate business plans. You need to be adaptable. But SOPs protect your brand consistency and tell other people how to do the dang job. Cool. Anything else? That's all I've got, Joe. Awesome. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. As always, see us on all our your favorite podcast stations. Uh, YouTube, as Justin clips out the best parts of our conversations. And uh, occasional Facebook Live. (laughs) See you next time. Yep.